With his message this morning, Labor of Love, would you please help me welcome Dr. Donald Webb. Well, thank you for having me. This is a privilege. Um, and I must say that uh, everything that I have participated in in this last 30 minutes has been very moving and, and very congenial. Uh, I'm very much at home. Thank you. Uh, although when you invite an old Methodist um, to a pulpit, you're going to hear something about the Bible and something about Jesus. You know, it's part of the, the union regulations. And, <laughs> but like Wesley, um, I, uh, I'd ask you to hold to one side for a minute or two any differences of uh, a dogma. And instead, see, as he put it, if your hand uh, is, if your heart is with my heart, Give me your hand. Maybe we can work together. So let's not so much think about um, beliefs, but um, what's your heart all about? And I, I don't think that's very far in understanding from what Jesus was all about. Uh, or the precious parts of the Old Testament. Here, for instance, is Isaiah 58. Um, people are complaining that uh, they worship regularly and, and keep all the religious laws, but they don't, they don't get any answer from heaven. And so God says to them, Sabbath is, is not about that. It's not about pious faces, but this. Share your food with the hungry. Invite the homeless poor into your house. Put clothes on the shivering ill-clad. And the lights will turn on. Your lives will turn around at once. I think that would have been Jesus' understanding. Um, what, in a sense, brought it uh, to... Um, a focus for me in the last few weeks was a young, kind, smart aleck gave me a book in which 50 old folk give their best old folk advice. And he said, you're an old folk. What, what's, uh, I'm only 83. How, come back in 10 years. But what is your best bit of wisdom? And I thought fairly quickly, and I tried this. Seven words, uh, which I guess rushed up from the unconscious and kind of sum it up for me. In Christ, caring service is great living. And as I look back down the years since uh, sailoring in World War II, that's really what has lit the way, although I've never tried to put it into seven words before. It was a good little exam. Uh, I'm glad the kindly young smart aleck gave me the book. Um, and was my response 
um, much different from, say, the, the response of the people who first, some of the people who first saw Jesus. They saw him uh, healing, teaching, praying, whatever. And it seemed as though all he meant to do was help. That whatever he did, he, he was trying to benefit people. And he said uh, he was trying to live out God's love. Now, they knew a lot about God. He called them to be uh, righteous, trusting, obedient, faithful in worship, loving. But for Jesus, love wasn't just part of it. Love was the essence of it. God is love. And uh, many of them, of course, knew God's promise that one day... His loving servant will come decisively to bring peace and joy and a kingdom of love. And they wondered if this was the one. And in fact, um, in his first sermon, you remember, he said, um, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, freedom to the oppressed. As though that kind of summed up what he was going to do when John the Baptist sent, asking him, are you the one? He told John's people, go and tell John what you see me doing and what you hear me saying. It's all about helping people. Luke 8 recounts what must have been a fairly typical hour uh, in Jesus' life. Crowds come to hear him teach and he, he's about to begin when a man named Jairus uh, pleads with him to come and help uh, with his daughter. His little girl is dying. So he goes with him, but hardly started out when uh, a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years is desperate and just touches his robe, thinking, well, she needs help. And so he stops and takes care of her. Then he goes on and helps the child. Then he comes back and teaches the crowd. That was it for him. That was what life is about. That's what God put him here for. Uh, that came above everything, whether it was his family or his friends or his, those who loved him, those who hated him, disturbing his meals, detouring his journeys right on to Golgotha where the jeers of some and the, and the troubles of others uh, even a thief interrupted his dying and always he tried to take care of them uh, God's love worked in him helping and lifting and enlightening surely he was the one sent by God people, some people thought so and as they did, they began to change to a more abundant life themselves. And they saw how their world could be changed. And this was a new day for them. And they thought it needed a new testament to uh, record it. So, as they opened themselves to love, God's Spirit flowed in. And they found they could write it down in radiant words. How God's heart, for example, aches 
for his poor, twisted humanity. Putting it in this, in this form, God so loved the world, he gave his son. How do you put it better than that, you know? Love. And then witnessing to how they began to come to life by saying, whoever received him became children of God. So knowing the way and truth of the life that lifts, they could now lift others. Um, in Jesus' own summary of it, so much better than mine, and only five words, there's no more succinct uh, summary of what he was all about than these five words. Be compassionate as God is compassionate. And the word he used for compassion. Half of us here don't understand deeply. The other half do. The word he used for compassion was rachamim, which means, which is rooted in the word womb. It's a womb love. It's deep, deep, deep. It's the love a mother has for the children of her womb. It's the love a man has for his brothers and sisters who came from the same womb. It's, it's, and, and this almost takes one's breath away. God created us with this womb love in the beginning. Now, you know, God knows, I know, in most folk, our inner core of love is kind of crusted over. We don't do that. We don't love as God loves or as he wants us to. But the good news is it's not our love that's the key. It's God's. Not what we can't do, but what God can and does. I, I have received the greatest help from, from the New Testament. And it, I think it works like this. Like those first Christians, as we open our hearts to love and let God's Spirit in, now as we read their radiant words in which they recorded how they came to life. As we are open to them, the possibility of our, is of our coming to life. As, as, they, as we read of, say, Jesus touching a leper, or lifting a prostitute, or eating without castes, or blessing children, God says in, in us, experience my love as this good son heals and speaks and lifts. I put this love in you when I made you. And now it's set free again to live out. And as the main thing in you. And we're doing it. That's being born again. That's God's birth gift of womb love revived in us. Talk about grace. Not deserving it but just receiving it and pouring it out to others. He, he said, look, 
everyone can do this. He said it in different words. He who believes in me will do the works I do. Uh, maybe one of the most colorful examples in the New Testament is of that outcast man with a legion of mental problems. Remember him? He's writhing out there on his own, and, and Jesus goes out and finds him and hears his pain and helps him respond, and his devils flee like the swine, and now the man wants to go with Jesus to work with him. Of course, that's what it's all about. Like that Samaritan woman, he, he gives her such living water, she has to run back to the village to share it. He heals a, a man's withered hand so the man can work again. That's the faith. That's a godly love becoming godly hands. Now, if you're like me, you need help <laughs> constantly, every day, every many times a day, lots of help. Praying something like, breathe on me. Breathe on me, <laughs> breath of God. Fill me with life anew that I may love what thou dost love and do what thou wouldst do. A prayer that's always answered, yes. And it's abundant, exhilarating life. Those 70 that Jesus sent out in Luke 10 to serve others returned with joy, of course. They discovered the secret of life. Throw yourself into lifting work and your step lightens. I guess one of my greatest joys was discovering Volunteers of America and the Lighthouse. When we began the Lighthouse, there were just a dozen or so kids gathering uh, to be tutored near First Methodist Church. After school, we'd bring them there, and, and they were all, they didn't have a chance in life without the kind of confidence and competence that we could share with them in love and faith. And so bring them there. Give them a snack. Make them do their homework. If they don't have homework, give them homework. But make them feel there's something about life that's attainable, that they can get an education. And now there are six places where we do this across Shreveport, Bossier. Now about 25 of the kids are, on, are gone on into university and are doing doing well. I think that's what life's about. It's exhilarating. And Isaiah knew that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not about pious faces. It's about helping those who need us. And then, he says, life turns around. And, and best of all, this kind of active caring in faith is the quality of love that lasts forever. You remember the, the lawyer who asked it specifically, how, how do I get eternal life, Jesus? They agreed, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. The lawyer presses, as lawyers tend to do, who is my neighbor? So Jesus tells him of a Jew left by thugs uh, for dead. The Jews' pious fellow religionists won't touch him because to do so would be unclean. But a Samaritan of a breed hated 
by Jews in those days. A Samaritan has compassion and helps him at great cost, at great risk. And that Samaritan, Jesus says, is the one who has the quality of life that lasts forever. Even more specifically, at his last meal, he said, when, you know, maybe expected a last meal, he's talk about the last day, <laughs> the last judgment. <laughs> Put it in those picturesque terms, if you like. So, when the Son of Man returns, it is these who are blessed. It is these who are blessed, who, when I was hungry, fed me. Homeless took me in. Naked clothed me. Who? When did we do this? When you did it for the least, you did it for me. And to those, he will say, and you didn't do any of that, and you do not have the quality of life that lasts forever. And then he takes a towel and he kneels before those people and he, like a servant, washes their feet and he says, this is what it's about. This is what you're to do. So when you come to church, when we come to church, whatever the church, it seems to me, we worship only long enough to be enabled to take a towel and then go out and use it. After Calvary, his followers, obviously desolate, believing that he is utterly dead, and deciding they might as well go fishing, which is what they're used to doing. They go out all night, catch nothing, decide maybe give up. And then they hear this beloved voice from the beach. It's the Lord. Everyone's head comes up. They half swim, half run to shore. Can't get there fast enough. It's like daybreak in the heart. The living sense of Christ's presence. Near as breathing. Closer than hands and feet. And what's he asking? Of Peter as a representative in a sense. Not about our beliefs. But about our love. And it's as, as it's asked of our deepest self, we can say with Peter, yes, Lord, you know I love. Then he says, now you know what to do with it then. Tend my lambs, feed my sheep. If you want to love and serve me, do it through the least of my children. And it's a win-win-win situation. Our hearts are glad knowing what we were born for and empowered now to, uh, to live it, the least are made glad, offered new levels of life that they can attain now. And I believe heart, the heart of God is made glad for all his children are being blessed. So if your heart is with my heart, give me your hand. Let's go down to the lighthouse together or anywhere else and let's work in love. God bless.